Oh man, Andrew. Yes, Connor. That's good to be back, huh? It is. It's always good to be back. <laughs> All right. So this is it. This is our second time around the horn for movie reviews. Yes. So let's not worry about any preamble. I feel like we have plenty to talk about because this is honestly one of my favorite films. Absolutely. I know. Probably I, my favorite film. Every every part is my favorite. That was one of the best episodes I think we ever did. Probably I, my favorite. I, probably, <laughs> probably my favorite as well. I, not to like kind of take that and then be like serious about it. But I was like trying to think about like, okay, where do I actually rank like the prequels? Like yeah. in terms of like my genuine favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Hmm. And it, it, is this including the star Wars movies itself or is this of all, like all films outside hmm. of the, uh, I mean, not just star Wars. Well, to that end, I think I would definitely put it out of the realm of, you know, top 10 i'd say yeah i mean de- oh, definitely not in the top 10 yeah right? i mean i but don't it's know it's like is, is even like my least favorite star wars movie like in the top 20 is it in the top 25 mm, you know that's mm, that might even be too much i don't know yeah i mean you think about it like I, I if i had to do it like right off the top of my head like you know if the top three it would probably be like well honestly uh, you might be surprised that like my number one movie of all time personally is not star wars okay it's actually Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> oh, I, honestly, that's not what I was expecting you to say. I know, I know. Now, I mean, I would say that like Empire is my favorite movie of all time, and Star Wars is my second favorite movie of all time. But right. probably like my third favorite is like Jurassic Park or oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's it's a whole other thing. Like I said, personally wise, like I love that movie, you know, and everything. Every time it would be on TV, I'd watch it, but. I would follow that up with A New Hope, uh-huh. follow that with Jurassic Park, then Jaws, then, you know, maybe some of the Godzillas or something like that. Sure. Definitely Avengers and, like, yeah. all the other, you know, yeah. MCU that's been coming out. But if we're talking about, like, prior to all this, you know, movie universe stuff, it's definitely, you know, all the Star Wars movies would be more or less around the top ten. I don't think the prequels would, def- ne- like, necessarily break it just because if we're including all of films mm-hmm. it's yeah you know in the way of substance and everything like that it's kind of like off to the wayside yeah so i don't know it's a good way to look at it yeah all right let's not dance around anymore utapute everybody <laughs> hello and welcome to greedy shot first my name is connor i'm andrew and we're here to talk star wars all things star wars and anything even friggin related to star wars which today is our second movie review of uh star wars episode two attack of the clones Attack. Attack. Da, 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 dun. Of the clones. Da, 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 da. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> so this goes back to, like, have you ever heard that thing about where it's like, so with each episode has the title in it, like the subtitle, I guess you would call it. Uh-huh. You know, The Phantom Menace, The Attack of the Clones, blah, 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 blah. I always love it because people, like, there's people out there who think it's so profound when they're like, it makes sense. They're like, Sidious was the Phantom Menace. The clones attacking at the end were the attack of the clones. Uh, you know, it's like the killing <laughs> the, of the Jedi. was The re- Sith got their revenge. revenge. <laughs> Stuff like that. Luke is the new hope. Uh, you know, on Hoth, the Empire struck, you know, it striked back. And, uh, you know, and then, yeah, you know, it just kind of goes on from there. And then the Force Awakens or whatever. It's obviously Awakens and Rey. And then the last Jedi would be Luke. Because it starts the new Jedi or something like that. He's the right. last of the old Jedi. The last of the old Jedi. First of the new Jedi or whatever. Spoilers, I guess. Spoilers, yeah. Sorry, gang. He might be back. I mean, who knows? But we're here to talk today about uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Um, and I, we were joking about it at first, but a few months back, uh, we did our April April Fool's uh, episode. I don't know what you're talking about. Though. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's I, I don't know what it's I'm talking about. It's just our episode called top five favorite moments of all time that's true yeah which i mean i think it was quite honestly my favorite it was my favorite (laughs) but we're gonna take a little more time today to kind of dissect this movie um you know break it down to the bones and kind of see what uh you know what makes it a star wars movie i would usually (laughs) say what makes it great (laughs) (laughs) i had to save myself a little bit there so yeah what makes it a Star Wars movie? All right, so uh, right off the bat, uh, directed and written once again by uh, George Lucas. 
Um, it stars Ewan McGregor, uh, Christian, uh, Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, as well as Tamora Morrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee. Uh, and then you get the Ian Anthony McDermott. Daniels, Ian McDermott, everybody. Yes. Everyone's back. And even uh, Jar Jar is back for a little yeah. bit. So he's at best. Yes. He is probably the most crucial part of this movie. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> it, which is ridiculous to think because he has, what, maybe five minutes screen time total? Yeah. If that. Do you want to start there, actually? Do you want to start with, wait, well, maybe, why not? Well, let, let me let me read the synopsis oh, and yeah, we'll jump right it. in. Do that. Okay. Set 10 years after the events of Phantom Menace, the Republic continues to be mirrored by strife and chaos. A separatist movement encompassing hundreds of planets and powerful corporate alliances poses new threats to the galaxy that even the Jedi cannot stem. These moves, long planned by an uh, as-yet-unrevealed and powerful force, lead to the beginning of the Clone Wars and the beginning of the end for the Republic. Very nice. Yeah. I'll just add also that the movie was released May 16, 2002. Yes. So just to kind of add some emphasis there. Um, So yeah, as you were saying, why don't we start with the whole emergency powers thing? Sure. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, I think it's actually interesting. And I mean, as we kind of did with... I guess I'm going to kind of bat out of order a little bit compared <laughs> to what we did with Phantom Menace. That's fine. Because there is, uh, Ahmed Best has stated that there, you know, originally there was a lot more scripted between Palpatine and uh, uh, Jar Jar mm-hmm. in terms of like, I mean, is it, did he, does Palpatine use a mind trick or something or something, or does he just persuade Jar Jar to, to to actually basically like he kind of actively pushes Jar Jar into the decision that he makes mm. as opposed to um what we kind of see on screen where it's just like kind of insinuated that Palpatine tells him like it'd be great if I could do this and then Jar Jar is like Misa think that's, <laughs> that's okay. A good, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, so I mean, we already kind of established this uh, in episode one. Like I said, there was a point where uh, um, Palpatine like is literally reaching into her ear, like leaning into her ear, mm-hmm. like uh, the uh, Queen Amidala's ear, and just saying like, "And now you get to see the bureaucrats at work." Like, hmm, so disdainful. Like, just basically putting yeah. the doubt in her head. Yes. So who's to say that 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 same thing couldn't have happened to Jar Jar? Where there's at one point where they're talking about what exactly the emergency powers are, mm-hmm. and then just kind of being like, "Well, you know." what we need is for someone to champion this cause. Yes. And kind of gift the emergency powers, you know. But, like, I don't know why it doesn't already look suspicious that, first of all, Jar Jar is a representative of the home world of the Chancellor. Right. So Who earned the Chancellorship because the former queen of his home world voted for no confidence in, in the, the previous Chancellor. <laughs> so... I don't know how, like, there isn't any other delegations. Maybe there is. Like, maybe there's some kind of, like, there is a novel out there or something like that. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, like, how did no one else kind of called that out? It's like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. You know, like, there's hundreds of other systems out here, but we're just kind of focused around Naboo. Like, yeah. what's the deal? Yeah. So. And, and, like, it's kind of bizarre to me that, like, you know, other, like, democratic freedom fighters that we know, such as, like, Bail Organa or mm-hmm. Mon Mothma, et cetera, like we know that they like are friends or good working partners with Padme. And it's like, why would they like, why wouldn't they think that they're like being duped? Yeah. You think they would be smarter than that Yeah, or something. I mean, I think it's, you know, a, a point of convenience that Lucas is like, well, I don't want to like, you know, I, I want her to be portrayed as though she's, you know, a spiritual like predecessor to the Leia or yeah, something like that. Exactly. Like that feeling to it. But like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really add up, does it? No, no, <laughs> it, it really doesn't. And like the whole structure of the story itself is, I mean, it's kind of weird, like how these characters end up where they do end up. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we could talk more about this like later on, but let's, let's double back to the beginning, right? <laughs> Go for it. Okay. So let's just start off with the obvious fact that it opens up with the crawl and everything like that. And it goes to, Honestly, what I think, like, and I, this is this is me being serious. Like, I thought it was one of the cooler, like, opening Better shots. Better openings, yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's... Well, it's, first off, we get a tilt up. 
Yes. Something for, that we only see in a couple other movies. Yeah, most of the time it's tilting down when you see until you see the planet or the ship or what have you. Mm-hmm. But this time around, like they they show it's two escort fighters and the you know the actual like you know cruiser Naboo cruiser and, and like they're the way that they fly in is really cool. I love the fact that like they're coming into orbit, but they have to like they have to rotate themselves to you know make it proper to the gravity and everything like that. It's yeah. an interesting yeah. affect to yeah, it. Real. Yeah, that's something that we never see. Like there's always like this assumption that like you just you're just naturally like facing the right way up. Right. But, well, as soon as you enter the atmosphere or yeah. something like that. But this one worked out where they reorient themselves and they're flying in. And not to mention, like, you know, we saw Coruscant before in the first movie. Right. This time around, Coruscant is more clouded out. Like, it's actually, like, it's experiencing, like, partly cloudy day or something like yeah. that. Or maybe it's just, like, the 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 platform they went for just happens to be, like, in the upper section or something like that. Right. But it was definitely just a cool affectation, like... Yeah, that I mean, I think it's, I think that is a clear hallmark of like how the CGI has advanced mm-hmm. in like the three years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. That's true. Like, I think that was a limitation in Phantom Menace. I mean, we spent a lot of time in that episode discussing how like, well, where are the people and like, yeah, all what, the extras where, like, and everything. Like where that. are all the the casualties of the Gungan and Droid battle? And like, they're just not there. Yeah, they just don't show it. Yeah, this but, is what it is. but I think like by that point, you know, the processing power had improved a lot, and and so you could kind of render more realistic looking environments. <laughs> all right, so to that end, like it goes up, you know, they 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 park the ship and everything, and then uh, they. The new captain. It's not Panaka. Typho. Typho. He comes out and he's like, I guess there was no problem at all. Yeah. Whatever. Apparently, uh, Panaka, like, he he actually had a contract negotiation issue, Mm -hmm. and that's why he was written out. Yes. The guy's name is Hugh Corshi. I think it's his real name. They, they... he like basically wanted to be paid like one of the stars. Yeah, so they actually talked about this in the book. I remember this, uh-huh. and not to mention it, like you know, Panaka was just he was just super good at his job. Like he was he was that dedicated to it. That's because that's because in the theme of one note characters from the Phantom Menace, yeah. he is only a no man. Yeah, <laughs> like just, all he says is that's nah, a bad idea. I don't think it's gonna work. There's too many. We shouldn't of them. do this. <laughs> I do not approve of this. You can't put her in there. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> well, no, I don't know if you know about this or not, but it, like, it just a little bit of a tidbit information. Apparently, like Panaka will actually go on to become, I want to say, like an actual like acting governor in the imperial ranks. Like, yeah, I I think I have heard that actually. Almost, I want to say that like he's probably the governor of Naboo. Yeah, and they were gonna do a storyline. Like, I believe they wanted to include him like in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. as well. Like, kind of his rise and like uh, yeah. him serving Palpatine, kind of in, in a in his own respect. yeah, in like an under the table kind of way. Which would have been interesting to see, because like like I said, like you don't know much about the character from the first movie except mm-hmm. the fact that he's just he's dedicated to his queen no matter what. But at the same time, it's like you cannot imagine a guy like that, you know, who's just. Well, I mean, I guess you could imagine it because he's just he's attached to duty, you know. Right. He he wants to do his job to the best of his ability, and that's basically what he's trying to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a typho. Is that what you said his name was? Yes. All right. So yeah, it's like, I guess there wasn't a problem after all. And then skadoosh, everything blows up. Um, my thought on that is like I don't know how they didn't like think this through. Or like maybe they didn't have like a crew waiting for it. Maybe they didn't check for bombs or something like that. I don't know how it worked. I don't know where the bomb was. Yeah. Like was it just sitting on the ship the whole time? Yeah. Or like you know what would happen if they had some like Z ninety five hen hunters like come after them as soon as they hit orbit and like you realize like the actual queen was disguised yeah, as a pilot. Just, yeah, it's just in an N one starfighter. And it's like that's all she that's all it takes is like taking out the escort fighters and you're done. Yeah. So who's to say she's a good pilot? Like I don't know. Well yeah, we we have no indication that she's a good pilot. She's just flying it. Like you yeah. know that she's flying a lot of other stuff. She flies her own ships from time to time. Yeah. But it's like is she she's no Rick Ollier, let's put it that way. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I always thought it was a weird thing. And then like, you could see she was dedicated to her handmaidens because Corday, yeah. who like, she's the one who was pretending to be the queen. She right. gets hit. Well, well the senator. senator. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually opens up another interesting thought that they followed her. Yeah. And like, but it's also the last time that we see a handmaiden yeah. with her. Like, well, no, that's not true. Cause I, well, well you're you, right. Yeah. On she, Naboo. On Naboo. Yeah. But I was also going to say, like, in the in the, um, in the the apartments, 
when she gets attacked. Yeah. Or like there's the assassination attempt. I almost want to say that's actually Corday back but, to life. Yeah. Just coming in being like, are you okay behind us? It's like, didn't you blow up? Yeah. Like what happened? <laughs> you're, you're dead. Yeah. But yeah. yeah Corday played by Rose Byrne. Oh man, really? Yeah. Apparently like the, like the actual, like the people that played the, the handmaidens. I mean, so, you know, Queen, uh, Kira Knightley played, played the, the actual... queen decoy, Sabe. Yes. And then uh, Sofia Coppola, was another one right right yeah and then this is rose baron so like it's all like i mean sophia coppola is better known as a director but yeah like but all like a-list actresses arguably that like just ridiculous. have zero lines but got to be in star wars yeah and i mean it was all about just like they all had to kind of resemble each other yeah which like kira knightley and natalie portman at that age like side by side is, yeah you know it, it's understandable like they could be twins yeah but um that would even be a fun game to play is like see if you could spot the difference like watching the movie through yeah. see who was actually well, playing what role yeah no i agree i like i try to do it and like i i'm not always like 100 percent certain i feel like i could always pot, like point it out depending on where it's at it's it has something to do with the voice right because like it's either she has kind of like a regal british undertone or she's just padme and she's speaking in a rather plain mannerism yeah. so yeah i don't know it's interesting so the whole attack happens, and that prompts uh, you know them to go and see the Chancellor mm-hmm. Palpatine, and that also brings in like you know the Jedi Council to try and discuss this matter and protecting the Senator or whatever. And this is where you see more of the uh, subtle suggestions, the subtle uh, manipulations from Palpatine, where he's yes. like, perhaps an old friend would be able to help you or something like that. And that's where they're like, let's just get Master Kenobi and his Padawan yes. to come and see you. Yeah. The whole, like, if we ever do another, like, this was your plan type of episode, <laughs> I would love to break down this whole contrivance from Palpatine. Honestly, yeah. Like, there's so much, like, that absolutely should not play, like, should not play out the way that it does. And there's, like, 15 steps to this plan. And if one of them changes... None of this happens. And it all starts with Palpatine. Yeah. Really? Truly. Because he's what? <gasps> a Phantom Menace. There it is. <laughs> That's right. Said it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it, he, like he's, he's doing it all over the movie. He's doing it all over the movies themselves anyways. That like, he just, he has the subtle manipulation and everything. And you can see that he's the one who's actually making all of this possible. Right. And like... I go back. I, I mean, I'm going to go back to Plagueis a lot because I always say that like that was the one book I thought before it was you know not canon mm. was like the best description of what the prequels should have been or at least why they were the way they were and stuff like that. But all I'm getting at is like there's a point where um, Palpatine was like, I gave you, I, I brought up this idea. That was me. Then you thought of this. That was me. Like. I'm the one who's been doing this the whole time. Like, right. that's basically it. And, like, you could see that he's still doing that. Yeah. Even though it's, like, a subtle suggestion, he makes it so it's, like, they were the ones who came up with the idea. So, they're kicking some butt that way. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, to get on it, like, I'm trying to think, like, do you have a favorite scene that isn't an obvious scene? Because like, I asked you about this last time. So, <laughs> is there a scene in this movie, and I know it's hard, because everyone's our favorite, but <laughs> uh, I'm, right. like, I'm, I'm being serious when I say like, is there a scene that stands out for you that isn't a blatant action scene? Well, honestly, I like, I think the scene, one of my favorite scenes, and it, I think it does have some of the best underlying story behind it mm-hmm. is when, so not like the whole chase between uh, Zam Wessel and, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Right. But just once they get to the uh, bar. Oh, yeah. We're talking about our friend Sleaze Bagano. Yes. <laughs> Elon. Elon, yeah. Elon Sleaze Bagano. After talking about that and watching it again, it was just that much more fun. It's like, yeah. you're like he ruined that man's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sheesh. All right. Um, um, yeah, as you were saying, yeah, the I mean, club scene. Yeah, the club scene is probably my favorite. I mean, the Again, there is just like a lot of story kind of behind that. Like mm-hmm. if you if you watch the scene, um, you can see Golden Tony Anthony Daniels C three PO out of costume. He's out, he's out of costume. There's also a point where what's the uh, which Chargers actor's name? Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best. He's out of costume, uh-huh. and he's standing next to a pink Twilik, who's actually I believe 
either the daughter or the granddaughter or something like that, like a relative yeah. of, George, of Lucas. George Lucas. Yeah, that yeah. is, yeah, that's one of his daughters. And then there's another, his other daughter. He has like an older daughter that I think he adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like his two like naturally born children are like, you know, Jet, like who yes. appear, like he appears later in the Jedi Temple and also in Revenge of the Sith. Dexter Jetser. Yeah, and that's his. That's where the net the name comes from. Um, but he has a. But like his other daughter, uh, is also in it. Yeah, and she's in that scene as well. Yeah. Um, well, I she know- actually. I think her name is Katie Lucas. Katie Lucas. So she, not to go back to Phantom Menace again. Okay. But she appears in Phantom Menace. She's one of like Anakin's friends. She's one of the little she, kids. She's the one with braces. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes braces part of star wars canon <laughs> she's a slave but she, i mean you can't deny the dental work yeah. i mean come on yeah the dental plant's pretty good for being a slave yeah <laughs> oh, man. well the, well never mind i'm, I'm just gonna leave it all right no, <laughs> but, well and then and then the last thing i want to mention about that and I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording and this like blew your mind okay um but so originally they cut they filmed a scene with nsync Right, yeah. For the club scene, oh. where like they would be the band performing at the club, but why? it did not make it into the final version of the why? film. <laughs> like, why do you have to make Star Wars a musical? Like, what's the point? Like, <laughs> look, that's my whole gripe with like the special edition for Return of the Jedi, right? Right. Like, I love the Jedi movie. Jedi Rocks versus yeah. Lopty Neck. But it's just like, I, why? Yeah. Like you don't need have, you don't need the full thing. I don't know. Have I ever talked about like the the background behind those like Lopty Neck versus Jedi Rocks? No, no. So, For Return of the Jedi. Yeah, in okay. Return of the Jedi. Oh, this will be quick. Okay. <laughs> uh, Return of the Jedi or Lopty Neck, which was like the first song. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you remember that one. Like, yeah. It, like, it's just that. It's kind of fast pace. Yeah. It has it like, is. a good rhythm to it. it, it I actually yeah. like it. It's, it is. Well, it, it's like the classic kind of like. I don't know. It's like a weird organ feel. Yeah. I don't know. And then it's just Max Rebo doing his thing. Yeah. But yeah, anyways. But so anyway, that song was written by John Williams' son. Really? Yes. Who is actually part of the band Toto, like Africa. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but so then apparently whenever George Lucas decided he wanted a different song, because he felt that the first song was too disco-y, like that it kind of dated it, made it sound 80s or whatever. I I don't think Jedi Rocks is any better. No, (laughs) no, no, no. But so then apparently he actually went to somebody else who's also in Toto to record Jedi Rocks. Which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No. So now, like, I don't know. I God, we're going to have to save that for when we actually do it. But like, I have a lot to say about it. All right, yeah, going back to the club scene, so, like I, I like the club scene because it, it kind of it, it has that it has that good way of setting up like okay the galaxy's a big place and there's just a bunch of different you know species of aliens here and yeah. there and stuff like that a lot of familiar ones like I said we can see Twilix and stuff like that uh-huh. but you also see that this is like this is the nightlife in Star Wars yeah so like you get the cantina scene in the New Hope and it's just it's dirty it's run down like it's 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 ne'er do wells and scumbags and stuff yeah. like that. But then you go to this place, but and these th- are probably the elite of the galaxy, right? Well, living on Coruscant, right? And I was gonna say, like, this would be their chance to go out. Like, they they, they have the sports on the TV and stuff like that, so you mm. probably do the betting there and stuff like that. Like, you could see the they had pod racing and probably grab ball. Yeah, I, I, they always talk about grab ball in, in the books, um, which I'm assuming is just it's like regular ball but with gravity, probably. So regular ball. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the point is. Ball, but, as far as we can understand it, on Earth. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so like it just it it's a cool it sets up like I said just the the idea that like the galaxy is that big a place that like it just you know it is what it is. Yeah, and it has that reminiscent Mos Eisley feel. Yeah, like because it, it's like. Obi-Wan going to the bar, for goodness sake, you know, to get a drink. Yeah. It's like... When I appreciate, like, that's like one of those, like, humanizing moments. Yeah. uh, Especially in the prequels, which overall, I just feel like they just make the Jedi so lame. Yeah. Like, throughout all of it. But, like, it's like, oh, yeah, he's going to get a drink. Yeah. He's just like, he's being real. Yeah. He's like, he probably learned that from Rail, let's be honest. For sure. (laughs) But, yeah, like, it kind of had that reminiscent feel of the cantina scene and everything. And Uh it's like the fact that he quite literally chopped the hand off. Right. Like, that's what I was getting at when when we talked in the last episode about, you know, like, the Phantom Menace was just 
crap ton of fan service. Uh-huh. That's straight out of the cantina scene. Yes. Like, the, I mean, come on. Yeah. And so, like, you know, and then, like, they had that whole thing where it's, like, they kind of mixed it with how Han treated the, the Greedo scene. Uh-huh. Hashtag Greedo shot first mentioned, whatever. <laughs> uh, we should try to do that. I don't know if that's even a thing. But, like... He cuts the hand off, she falls down, they get her up, and all of a sudden Anakin like looks around like a stunned crowd and just goes, Jedi business, go, go back ahead. to your drinks. Yeah. And it's kind of reminiscent of Harrison Ford just like flipping a credit to the guy and just going, sorry for the mess. Yeah. Like it has that feel to it, yeah. so it's cool. So yeah, just like minimizing the effect of like what people just saw, just like, I'm not letting you make this a thing. <laughs> yeah. If I had to say like a one scene that's not like a, a true action scene for me, it's whenever Obi-Wan first goes to Kamino. Uh-huh. And like he's he's meeting with the Kaminoans and then he actually sees like the assembly line and everything like that. That was like the moment where it's like, wow, like yeah. this is legit. And like not to mention that there's just so much mystery around that scene in in general that like even with all the information we have now for the books we've read recently, uh-huh. I still feel like I don't the, know yeah, the, the story. Yeah, the mystery of it all. Yeah. yeah. So... All right, I'll just add this to you. I don't know if you noticed, but they said that like like when they brought up Master Sifo Diaz, mm-hmm. he said in the movie or whatever, he's like he is still like a acting like you know a ranking member of your Jedi Council, is he not? Uh-huh. Where it's like you know you go to Dooku, right? You know the the book we like the Jedi Outcast or whatever it is, Jedi Lost, Jedi Lost, and. Um, it sounds a, like he was never that, really. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like, if anything, he was like the the black sheep. Like yeah. no one wanted to talk about him. Yeah. Let alone the fact that he would get up to the, like council status, right? Or no, or maybe it was the fact that he helped, you know, liberate Sereno or something like that. Maybe that earned him that station. Yeah. Or something. But well, yeah. I don't know. And that, I think there's, yeah. I mean, there's definitely room for a really cool story there. That's what I'm saying. Like, like if if they ever want to tell us, or just let us. You know, let our minds imagine what it would be like, because that would be cool, too. But yeah, and so to that end, even if he was a ranking member of the council, how did he sneak this under the radar? Right. How did he do it? And like I've said before, they've explained they, it They Plagueis address it in Plagueis, yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And like, they kind of explained it not so much in Dooku Jedi Lost. Yeah. But like, it's more left up in the air of like, a, I'd say like a vision uh-huh. or something like that. So I don't know. It's... That, like I said, it's always going to be one of my favorite scenes just because, personally, I, I love the, the interaction between them. Just, that's that, why I'm here. <laughs> that, well, see, that's probably my favorite line. Yeah? I, I mean, I know, like, that's the question we did last that's time. Yeah. But that's, I can tell you right now, like, uh, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. I'll ask you later. We'll make it official. <laughs> but, yeah, so that for me, like I said, that would probably be my favorite scene that's not, like, anything pivotal. It's just... It's that more world building than anything else. Yeah. And the planet Camino in general. Yeah. I honestly like, I think that that's a really cool idea that it's like, it's like the Jetsons in a way. Well, it is. It, yeah. Like, not to make it sound in, silly. Yeah. I mean, well, I won't call it a city in the clouds. Although the whole concept behind Camino is that that was an early concept idea for Cloud City, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the technical ability to pull yeah, it off. You couldn't make an ocean and right. like sit it, yeah. uh, you know. And it, like the flying whale thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, I mean, that, but you know the biology of it, right? I mean, water worlds in general, like are hard. They're hard. <laughs> I mean, they, they you, you never actually see Moncala in right. any of the movies. We saw it in comics. We saw it in Clone Wars. But I mean, it's just a planet-wide ocean, more uh-huh. or less. You know, yeah. if there's any kind of landmass to be had, it's quite minuscule. Mm. But for the most part, it's like you know, it's floating cities or just submerged cities and stuff like that, and like. The whole idea that Camino is just, it was struck with like a um, ecological catastrophe that essentially like, it, it's like the global warming happened and like yeah. all the ice caps melted and uh-huh. like that's where they had to retreat. It was like they either went off planet or they made these cities and it's like, that's an incredibly cool concept. Yeah. And it's just like the fact that it rains all the time. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just, it's, it's interesting. I so. agree. Um, yeah, so you're getting hit too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, to go on to it a little bit more, um, I think what this mover, this movie suffers from more than anything else. I think anyone could see it right off the bat is just the acting. <laughs> yes. Um, the acting mainly from Hayden Christensen, uh, like poor Anakin Skywalker just does not get any of his due when it comes to this live action stuff. It's so true. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like this it should be like the easiest layup like to find you know a the right person for that role <laughs> you'd think 
but yeah, I mean, but and once again, I I know I talked about this in the Phantom Menace review as well, but it's just kind of like once again, I just like I feel like George Lucas just didn't give the right type of guidance as well. Yeah, which is a big limiting factor. Well, that's like just, I think he like he wanted Anakin to be creepy, <laughs> and then but like he wanted that. You think? Well, I genuinely believe that like everything that George like George Lucas's like acting directions are always slower, flatter, more boring. Yeah, okay. Like, like those are like monotone creepazoid. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, Cuz I mean, this is two movies running where, you know, where he's the director and yeah. like that seems to be the modus operandi. I think like it's it's hard to say because, like, if they would have had something like it, this, is the best parallel I could think of. So obviously, like the 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 whole like uh, conflict that you see going on, like right from the start with Anakin, is the fact that like, all right, he hasn't seen Padme in ten years. Like he's real nervous. Like he kind of has floaty feelings for her. He gets butterflies in his stomach. All that happy crap. He should, if he was able to play it off a little bit more, kind of like. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw like the first amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield, mm-hmm. but like the way he had his interaction with Gwen Stacy, like when they first met, he was just kind of stuttering, but like kind of goofy, yeah. kind of trying to remain but cool. Still had, yeah, but still had a little bit of charisma. Right. That If they would have done something like that with this, it would have been like, it would have not only been cute, it would have been funny. Yes. It would have been like charismatic, like yeah. you said. And like you would have had just that much more sympathy for him because you realize like, he he can't have these feelings, but he can't help himself, right? Or something like that. And like, <clears throat> and this just kind of gets at that whole aesthetic of like, oh well, you know, you can't like Jedi must be brought in as like infants or you know before they they have memories that kind of bond them to their family, etc. Their home world, or their home or whatever. World. Which, and like, I mean, and I get that, but I also feel like you know if if Anakin joined the Jedi Order as an eight year old, like. Eight-year-olds have, like, a three-second memory. Yeah. Like, he would probably be pretty, you know, pretty quickly able to just, like, adapt and, and just change. I mean, one of the things that I think gets bandied about a lot, like, in terms of, like, if I were in charge of Star Wars, this is what I would do, is, like, ultimately, I think, like, in Phantom Menace, I would already have, like, Anakin should just be Luke's age. Yeah. And Queen Amidala should be same age. And then you would have, you know, Obi-Wan kind of just a few years older. But yeah, the older brother. Yeah. Yeah. But then that would actually kind of, you know, I mean, I think there's this sense that people thought there would be like a love triangle between the three of them. Obviously, that, that truly never happens. No, I mean, because of a little little bird named Satine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and but we know that like ultimately Obi-Wan is kind of like he's given to having some of those baser impulses as well. That of course. Like, you know, that he, he does feel those emotions. I was going like, to say, at the end of the day, he's only human. Yes. That's, I think that's what they're trying to drive home. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could be as prophetic as you want, but at the same time, like you have to understand that we're just, we're lesser beasts. Right. And they are our own right. And we just have to control our emotions. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's something that gets established a lot. Like in the books is like, mm-hmm. you know, different alien races kind of talking about, like human, like humans, they they are not as durable as we are. Not they, as long lasting. Yeah, they don't live as long. They're very fragile. They're yeah. You know how do they get to be so influential? It's ridiculous. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, like yeah, it, it that adds to the whole like. Uh, there's like a stigma. That's I don't know. That's a whole other thing. Sorry. Right, but. Yeah, so I guess that's just kind of the nature of like the beast, and and so this is. I'm just gonna read this directly from IMDb. Go ahead, man. Um, this is the list of like actors that were like the finalists for the role. Okay. For Anakin Skywalker. You're about to make me mad. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, some of them more so than others. Uh, we have Ryan Philippi, Micah Collins, Paul Walker. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Colin Hanks, Christian Bale, wow, Heath Ledger, James Vanderbeek, Joshua Jackson, Eric Christian Olsen, Eric Von Detten, which is just funny to me. Oh my goodness! Chris Klein, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Jonathan Brandis, along with Hayden Christensen. <sighs> and in the end, they gave it to Hayden Christensen. 
primarily because he and Natalie Portman, quote, looked good together. <laughs> all right, there's all about looking good together and then acting well together. Yeah. That's the difference. So, all right, we all know, like, Christian Bale's big actor now and everything. The same right. thing goes for, maybe uh, it would have been Heath Ledger if he was still alive and stuff yeah. like that. If they had gone for, like, Leo, well, I feel like that would have taken you out. Well, yeah. So I guess they that was a name that they weather ballooned. Mm-hmm. And, like, the fan reaction was like, no. Uh, I mean, I I feel like you see it every once in a while, every handful of months. Like, somebody would be like, oh, look, I made The Avengers if The Avengers was made in the 90s. In the 90s, And right. it's, like, all of these, like, A-list actors from the 90s. Like, like Tom Cruise Tom Cruise Iron is Man, Iron Man. Something like uh, that. Brad Pitt is Captain America or whatever. Something like that, yeah. But, like, I don't think that's... You know, there's a reason why the MCU has been so successful, and it's that they didn't choose like the biggest names in the world at the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, well, hell, Robert Downey Jr. like hadn't done anything in years and was like known only as a drug addict and kind of art like, house kind of guy. Yeah, than anything else. But all right, so yeah, to that end, like if they had gotten someone who was known, because if you think about it at the time that they were making this movie, Titanic had come and gone and that mm-hmm. was like his big, big break. Right. He, he had some other movies beforehand, but like the Titanic was the one that kind of put him up there. Yeah. as like a, a leading actor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Christian Bale, I think he would have worked just because at the time, I don't think he was as well known. No, I mean, he would have, that would have been like post like American psycho, yeah, but before, but certainly before Batman, before his conti- like, other continued work with Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah, so I mean, we would have had time there, but it's just, man, that's weird. It's I'm trying to think of how uh, like other ones would have worked, but I always like the idea of doing no name actors, like people you've just never heard of, yeah, because it adds that effect of like, well, I'm not looking at Brad Pitt, I'm looking at. Mr. Smith or whatever, like the character whose name it yeah. is, whatever it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> you believe that much more that that person is that character. Right. You know, which so. I mean, and we talked about this literally in the last episode, like mm-hmm. with Samuel L. Jackson, just being like, he's like as much as anything, a distraction, I think. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's him. It's 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 the Ed Sheeran effect. Yeah. Like from Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like it's. A bunch of Lannister guards and Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Like, it's what's he doing there? Yeah. So, you know, it's stuff like that. But I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I'd i like to give Hayden Christensen the benefit of the doubt because I know he's done other good movies. Like, he did Looper, which people liked and stuff like that. But it's like, I don't know. It's it just the dialogue, the delivery yeah. was not that good. Right. And, I mean, if they were allowed to actually improvise like we were talking about, like, you could have had some more of those genuine, like, emotional moments. Yeah. Now, you fast forward a little bit through the movie to uh, another, like, really not spoken of scene. <laughs> it's the actual attack on the sand people. Yes. I'd say. And so there's a point where he, in, he, you know, he infiltrates the camp. He finds his mom. And him finding his mom, first of all, is like, that's sad. Yeah. Like, it's suppressing. And, like, you can't, you can't deny, like, you feel something there. But not to mention the fact that, like, he's holding on to his mom. And, like, she just, you know, she up and dies in his arms. And he's just trying to control himself. Like, he's been learning for the past 10 years to control his emotions. And, like, this is one of the most devastating emotions you could ever feel. Right there, as soon as he looks up, the music cue, it's it's like crazy violin. I don't know if there's an actual name for the score itself. Probably. But, but like the the way that the violin is playing and it's skewing its notes, you can see you can hear like it's the conflicting emotions in his head and like at one point it, it resolves itself and it's like it's just one straight vision of red. Yeah. And then he just starts going after the sand people. And I remember just thinking to myself like yeah. yeah. Like in theaters, I was like, yeah. And then, you know, years later and you're kind of breaking it down like we're doing right now. And you think to yourself, like, that was it. Well, no, absolutely. And I like I think that to me, that's the part that he gets, you know, like I think he gets that part right. Right. Honestly. And and I mean, obviously, we'll we'll talk about Revenge of the Sith in a couple of weeks here. <laughs> and, you know, I I don't have much issue with a lot of what he does in that film. Same. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think, 
I, he definitely became more in himself. Are you talking Revenge of the Sith now? Yes. Yeah, like, he, he became more of himself. He, I think with that fact, like, he was supposed to be that much more of a, you know, down-to-earth person. Yeah. And much more confident in himself. Yeah. Because I think that's the other side of it, too, that people have to realize that, like, Anakin's still in training. Yeah. Like, in this movie. Like, he's still a Padawan, and he's offended by that. He's like, right. pardon me, my lady. I yeah. think I'm in charge of security here. Yeah. It's like, I don't see... Typho with a lightsaber on his belt or whatever. Right. But yeah. No, it's true. And that goes back to another thing, too. Like, they, they do such a great job of fleshing out Anakin's, like, heroics and everything in the Clone Wars. Uh-huh. And I think you and me would both agree that, like, we prefer that iteration more than anything else. Yeah. Like, if they could have brought that kind of charisma from that character and fleshed it out in both movies. Yeah. Forget about it. I mean. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. It's just perfect. Yeah. And I guess just ultimately what I'm getting at, and I'm not like, look, I'm not like here to stand Hayden Christensen or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But like, I th- like he could have played that role, but mm-hmm. I just feel like he was told not to play that role. Yeah. And instead I'd- he was told to, you know, kind of be, you know, you have to act mostly Jedi like and just kind of be very stoic and, you know, and kind of devoid of a much characterization. But we also need you to deliver like, all of this cringy, cringy dialogue. Yeah. And I will admit that some, somehow like we're going to make it seem like, yes, what you're doing is working. I was say, I will admit that I think I fast forward through most of that. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I mean, there is absolutely zero reason to watch like the Naboo scenes. Honestly. Yeah. Like when, like once they get on the transport and everything like that, I'm like, okay, Camino transport Camino. Uh, they're in the field, Camino. Like I'm just fast forwarding through all yeah. that. Like I just like I don't want to be involved with it because there's just I mean besides the whole fire camp thing, like the fire lit thing, where like we can keep it a secret. Yeah. There's the point where they're in the field and like he's like messing around with those you know the wildebeest whatever things like uh-huh. the big cow alien yeah. things and like he falls off and gets like trampled right. Yeah. And uh, like she comes running over to check on him. The laugh that he gives like once he turns over to fake it. That is the fakest freaking thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, yeah. that was a part where they were like, all right, take 47. All right, get ready to laugh. And that, that, that's him just projecting, ha, ha, ha. Like, it's just, it doesn't look yeah. genuine at all. No. So I don't know. It, it's just like, <clears throat> Natalie Portman, she's trying to act her freaking butt off. Yeah. And, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, I like her more in this that they're not, like, again, I think it's just because, like, like, she's better as Padme than she is as Queen, Queen Amidala, right. I would argue. I mean, you know, I think part of it was, like, the kind of 80-yard, like... All the... Stuff that they did with her voice and, like, you mm. know, having to... Like, and literally, they dubbed her voice anytime it was, like, Kieran Knightley as the Queen. That way, it kind of... You you ne- you were never aware. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like, she did... Like, you, you're right in saying that she affected different voices. Yeah. But, like, it was all her speaking. That's still impressive. Yeah, but yeah. it just, like, you know, it, it just flattens it out and, like, just made it, it just makes it so hard. Well, I'll say this. I think that they, they definitely give her more room to work with now yeah. that she's just a senator. Yeah. And to that end, like, you wouldn't expect a senator to be, you know, as kind of hardcore as she is. Yeah. But she's out there with a gun. She's out there getting, I mean, she gets slashed by a Nexu for goodness sake. Like that, that freaking cat dog thing coming out after her. Yeah. Like that should have taken her entire back out. Like that should have (laughs) taken the spine and everything with it. Like, yeah, (laughs) and she just gets this deep cut and it's just that genuine scream of like, ow, like you imagine yourself getting the cut like that. Yeah. Whereas like Obi-Wan and Anakin, they're just rolling around in the dust Right. And she's getting clawed to death. Yeah. And not to mention, like, she's just so beat. Like, she's such a badass. Yeah. That, like, there's there's literally hundreds of Jedi in this arena, like, blasting off, like, blaster bolt after blaster bolt. And, like, she's just there with a gun. Right. She's like, I, I, I'm i not a Jedi, but I'm going to yeah. hold my ground. Yeah. Like, and, and meanwhile, we see many Jedi fall in that battle. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but but she's able to otherwise escape unscathed and hold her own yeah. and everything. It's just... I, yeah, I mean, and that's <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, one of many many tropes is that you know we see in like the original trilogy that Leia has like seemingly uncanny accuracy, probably yeah. because she's a Jedi, extremely Man. strong in the Force. Yeah, um, I think there's also the explanation they gave her like you know, self-defense lessons yeah. as a royalty. Yeah. But, but yeah, that, but yeah. so now, 
but like so that applies to Padme as well that she's like an uncanny shot oh yeah yeah she has a great shot yeah well just I mean going back to Phantom Menace real quick like the the, the point where they do the switcheroo at the end with the the Viceroy and everything and like you see Kira Knightley she's like your insurrection's at an end and like runs away yeah. <laughs> like she goes and gets the secret gun yeah. and you know throws one to Panaka and then she like up and just dead shots two yeah. of them like yeah. it's nothing it was yeah. just She's like, now we will discuss a new treaty. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I like the fact that they kind of more like militarized her more. They made her a little more, ex- you know, like adventurous. Right. So, yeah. Who knows? And, and you get kind of like, like it's easy to follow like what her, you know, like although obviously her personality doesn't imprint on Luke and Leia because, you know, that she doesn't live long Stunts. enough for that to be the case. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, but you can kind of see that, like, just that that longing for adventure, or like, yeah. the, like longing to do the right thing, to do the good thing. She wants to, yeah, yeah. And that, I'd like to think that that would kind of rub off. Yeah, you know, maybe like Bale would talk about you know her birth mother or something like that mm-hmm. to Leia and just say as much. Yeah, because that's a whole other thing we got to get back at once we talk Return of the Jedi. It's yeah. like, oh, I remember my mom. She died when I was young. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, like when you were born? Like, yeah. <laughs> and you were the second one born? Yeah, so it's like, how did you know? If anything, Luke should remember better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I mean, there, were, I could almost see this thing, and it's something they talk about, like, in the uh, the Aftermath books, like, mm-hmm. that, like, Leia has this, like, forced connection with Kylo, or, well, with Ben, mm-hmm. um, like, before he's even born, and, like, she kind of, you know, comes to feel him in in a way that's like not just child mother kind of way um you know and it's like i could you know i could see that like happening if leia's born first and like mm-hmm. has you know half an hour with her mom and like she and leia has this strong force connection and can like something yeah imprint these you know this kind of the brain chemistry from her mother anyway <laughs> That's another thing that I think that, that never really gets resolved. I just like, well, so the Bloodlines book that's all about you know it's the years in between Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, Follows Leia. Uh-huh. Well, like part of the plot line of that book is like discovering you know that Darth Vader is her father, uh-huh. you know, and like keeping that secret. But does she ever go as far to learn like who her real mother is? That's the thing that I don't know, or can, Luke for that matter. Yeah, I can remember in. Um like an EU story that, well, so there's two that I can think of. I mean, there is an EU story that came out after like the events of Phantom Menace and stuff Mm -hmm. that like it is like, it's literally like Han and Leia go back to Tatooine to try to find answers about like their heritage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Leia's heritage anyway. And like in, in Anakin and, and like they run into all these characters from like like kitster is there oh he's like, all old now yeah he, he's old and walled apparently bought Watto's shop oh so okay um what the heck <laughs> <sighs> nah another thing i'm sorry <laughs> and then and i do remember another story that i want to say came out it might have been there was another like standalone luke skywalker novel right um, that was part of the EU, like not heir to the Jedi, but it's like, mm-hmm. I think it's called Luke Skywalker in the shadows of Mindor. Whoa. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a deep dive. Episode 52. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. It's very serialized. Um, but there is this kind of underlying current where he is trying to find answers about his mother. Mm. And like, I think at one point R2, like, like he finds like a, an old data scrap in R2's memory of a woman that looks like Leia, but is not Leia. Ah. So he's trying to uncover more about her. Well, see, here's the other side of that too. That couldn't have worked because I mean, unless this came out before revenge of the Sith, basically because of like the last like line that you see R2 and C3PO in the movie where it's like a, you know, captain Antilles. Um, well, Bailey and I disagree with that. Why? 3PO, they say, 
wipe the protocol droids memory. Oh, is that all it says? Yes. All right, well, look, we haven't done that review yet, so give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought they said wipe their memories. I just, I, I but I think now you say it, it makes it, I yeah. remember it correctly. I thought yeah, it I mean, was it's, both of them. It's pretty well, like, I mean, so one of oh, the ongoing, my. one of the ongoing, like, fan theories is that, like, R2-D2 is the narrator of the story. That would be interesting. It would make sense, because... Quite honestly, he's been there for yeah. just about everything. Yeah. He's the only one that's been there for everything and didn't have his mind erased. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And like they make a big deal about like him not ever getting his mind wiped because like, you know, just how fast his memory storage is. Yeah. Luke like he, like uh in the EU his X-wing is like almost completely like, you know, integrated with uh, yeah. R2D2 to the point where like it's flawless like yeah. you know they're flying together as flawless yes so but that's interesting um yeah so you know to finish out you know the review wise the whole final battle uh is insane i love the fight between Django and mace i love the fight between Django and obi-wan both at camino and, and the um, asteroids yeah and uh, well that goes back to my questions so we'll, we'll do the three questions okay to kind of finish this out uh we did the favorite scene so Favorite new character introduced in this movie? <laughs> That's probably another obvious one. Well, yeah. I mean, the answer is Django. Of course. I'd I say mean, Django. I, I am obviously, as has been well established in all of these episodes, <laughs> I am a big Mandalorian fan, big, mm-hmm. I mean, massive Boba Fett fan. Yeah. As, as such, I don't feel as empathic towards Django. It's like, I almost didn't need this story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the, the well, answer is Django. It was just cause <laughs> it's like I said, we, we finally got to see like more of what a Mandalorian can do. actually do. Yeah. You know? And like we said that, that, that Boba had had this cult status for years uh-huh. and this was like the big deal for a lot of people was yeah. like, we finally get to see you, you like more t- of it. Yeah. Peeking under the hood a little bit to, to see how he became who he is. Yeah. And so that, and I like that relationship between him and, you know, his surrogate father yeah. and whatnot. Um, uh, my new favorite character for this one is actually uh, Dooku. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not even, I, I know, I don't try to make a joke out of it or anything like that, but, like, I genuinely liked Christopher Lee. Yes. And he was coming fresh off of uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So him playing Sauron. Yeah. Um, it's actually. Sa- is it inter- Saruman or Sauron? I think it's Saruman. Saruman, because yeah, the, he's like he asked the orc, "Who do you serve?" Saruman, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Sauron is the and Sauron guy. is the big bad. He's the big yeah. guy, the big guy. Yeah, yeah, just the eye. <laughs> All right, but yeah, him playing the wizard there, and then like I said, just jumping over to Star Wars. I was like, this is great. Yeah. I love them in Lord of the Rings, and he's like, he's still just like as regal and like of you know, yeah. he's a BA yeah, when he's he, at it. Yeah, I mean, he does he, like he plays that role so well that he's just super stately and mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, he, he kind of wears that count uh, title oh, very yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, the only, like, my only issue, and I brought this up the last time that, like, I, you know, <laughs> I believe that Darth Maul could have been Tyrannus. The, yeah, he could, could have, have been, been the leader, leader of the Separatists. Mm. Prove me wrong. <laughs> um, Change my mind. Yeah. But the, because the, the thing is, is that we just don't see him very much. I mean, he's, like, I mean, I know you made a note of it. Like, I he doesn't note, appear yeah. until... Like it's a, about an hour and 20 minutes into the film, I believe. Yeah, let me just double check my notes here. But yeah, it's like I remember watching through it and like the, the first time you ever even hear him speak uh, in the movie is uh, one second because my phone is super slow. <laughs> I'm sorry, gang. All right. So the first moment he even freaking appears in the movie is at one hour. Oh, God dang it. One hour and 16 minutes and 27 seconds. Or no, 28 seconds. And then uh, the movie itself, lengthwise, is two hours, 22 minutes, and 27 seconds. Right. So that's quite literally almost halfway through the movie. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just insane. Well, it's, it's still past halfway, actually. Yeah. Because it'd be 110 for, well. It's still, yeah, <laughs> it, it is ridiculous, but all I'm getting at is just like it's... You know, this is supposed to be the new big bad, and we don't even hear from him. Yeah. When, like, Darth Maul, like, all we had to do was mention his name. 
Yeah. And no one really even brought up Dooku until you saw him. It was just kind of like a weird entity. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I think he's mentioned in like the opening crawl that he is the new, the new city. leader of the separatists or whatever. Yeah. And so to that end, I was like, okay. And I remember like when the movie did come out, like they were saying like there's Count Dooku and then there's Tyrannus. I was like, well, who are these? Like, are yeah. they, like two separate people? Yeah. It's like, oh, Dooku is Tyrannus. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now that one, like, I mean, aside from the fact that like, as soon as I saw Christopher Lee, I was like, yeah, that's the bad guy. <laughs> uh, like yeah. that actually is kind of like a clever manipulation. I think it's a little bit more believable than like the not knowing that Palpatine is Sidious. Mm-hmm. Or not recognizing that the guy who plays Palpatine played the Emperor in, in, the in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it's a whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I always thought that, like, he doesn't get enough screen time. He just yeah. definitely doesn't get enough, like, of his story fleshed out. But, like, knowing more about him and everything like that, like, it just made me like his character that much more. Yeah. I well, just I, wish I, we I, had more. Well, I, that's that's exactly my point. And I guess that's the only reason why I'll, I'll rank Django slightly ahead of him. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Uh, okay, favorite new sound. <laughs> favorite I, new sound. I'd be surprised if we both didn't have the same one. Well, it has to be one of like the creatures in the the battle arena. You know what? That's not a bad idea. I do like the the way that they portray them. Well, the Ackley's ter- the Ackley is terrifying. Yeah, that's the one that's kind of like that. Well, I, it, actually, don't I don't, don't can, try it. You'll hurt yeah. your vocal cords. It, well, yeah, it kind of sounds like a pig, like a screaming yeah. pig. Yeah, right. Whereas like the the Nexu, it's kind of like, it kind of has like a purring roar. Yeah, you know. And then there's just the um, the, the rhino looking one we can never right. remember. Yeah. Uh, but it, like it has that like it it sounds it sounds like a triceratops out of like Jurassic Park. <laughs> it does. Parks. Yeah. Kind of like it has that like heavy labored <laughs> breathing. Yeah. yeah. You know whatever. Yeah. But I was honestly going to say the seismic charges. Well, yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. No, you're you're right. I feel like that's, also that's okay. the right answer. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like he also, like, screwed himself, like, when he was doing the whole asteroid thing. Because there's clearly one point where he, like, he diverts uh, Obi-Wan into following into, like, this cave. Uh-huh. And he uses two seismic charges beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. So if you really want to be effective, lure him into the cave, drop the seismic charge while you're in the cave. Yeah. Done. Yeah. You know, it's not Don't like he's going to be able to get away. back out in open space again. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, there's no way he's going to be able to escape that. So. Yeah. But and, yeah. and see, that to me is like a callback slash ring theory moment that mm-hmm. works, like in terms of like Boba Fett learns to kind of learns to hide in the asteroid field, which from is his dad, from his dad, in which, Empire. Yeah, which then comes to bear in Empire when he f- is able to track the Falcon, knowing that they were hiding. It was just cool that he did the trash thing, too. Yeah. That was really cool. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. I can see why he's your favorite character. <laughs> All right. Finally. Other, uh, I mean, I will ooh. say, otherwise, I did not need 10-year-old Boba Fett. <laughs> that did not Get work him, for Dan. me. Get him. <laughs> yeah. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Daniel Logan's pretty cool now. Like, I he, mean, I, yeah. And I'd like, like I, to meet him. Yeah. Right? I like his kind of vibe as just a human being, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't need that. <laughs> All right, final final thought of uh, just favorite line. I think you had already said your favorite line. Yeah. What was it? Uh, it is Obi-Wan's line whenever he arrives. Well, whenever he's first introduced to Lama Su. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, that's why, why I'm, I'm here. here. <laughs> uh, my favorite line is one I don't think you ever realized is said incorrectly. And it's said by uh, Jar Jar Binks. When he's actually addressing the crowd at the senate uh-huh. he says delo felagets yes or delo felagets delo felagets you're and right i never realized he said that yeah. until i put the subtitles on today <laughs> i was yeah. like oh jar jar yeah. you're so funny like <laughs> i was like it's been years since i've actually laughed at jar jar and i saw that and i was like that's actually kind of clever yeah. delo felagets well that's <laughs> yeah i don't know never mind I, I i will let it go i know I could, we could have i mean <laughs> We could have done seven hours just on Jar Jar. I like, know. I, th- I think. But so uh, like, Misa thinks. Yeah, it's about time. Misa speak. Misa spec. Me, I spec or whatever. That's what he says. Yeah. I spec. Are you in, like, the ability to speak does not does make, make you, you intelligent. intelligent. <laughs> oh man, you guys will come with me now, Okie Day. <laughs> They're better here than out of their core. What's a Mia 
just say, oh god, we're gonna. St- all right, <laughs> what are we doing here? We're we're. Do- <laughs> yeah. Okay. I guess just a couple of last, you know, little bits of knowledge that I guess I'll get out there. Sure. Uh, for this one, so I mean, we talked in the last episode about how up until the Phantom Menace, Lucas added one more theater of battle for right. the final scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not do that in this one. No. It's, in fact, it, he basically it's you can argue that there's three separate events. Okay. Um, but they all kind of they all focus around the main cast. Yeah, it's all and it's all like in one section as well. I yeah, mean, I guess you could argue the same thing for like Endor and Naboo and whatnot, but like, there's no real difference of like it all happens in this arena or around this arena right. where all of the Trade Federation ships and everything yeah. are. So I mean, so so it's kind of like we have the <clears throat> the arena scene, which leads to the arrival of the, the Jedi, Jedi, which then leads to the, the arrival, arrival of the, the clones. clones. And then we have the chase of Dooku, and then we have the battle with Dooku. Yeah. But that all stays with Obi-Wan and Anakin, Anakin yeah. throughout. So, yeah, that's interesting. And then, like like we had said before, that the, they, there has never been an actual single suit of clone armor ever made. Yeah. Everything in so that lame. battle. It's so lame. But I will say that, like, the final battle, like, between, like, the droids and the troopers, like, the first time you see it, just that affectation of, like, shooting through the dust cloud and stuff yeah. like that. Like, that's really cool. Like, it's yeah. mesmerizing. Yeah. You know, and then, like, obviously, you know, being as young as we were, seeing all the Jedi come out at once, it's like, oh, yeah. we got to do it. You yeah. Know? And finally I, getting to see Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. Right. And like, and the whole, uh, if anyone doesn't know the, the spiel behind it, the only reason he wanted a purple one, or just a different <laughs> color one in general. He wanted to find himself in the battle. He wanted to find himself, where it's like, it doesn't matter if you wanted to find yourself. You're like dead stuck in the middle. Like almost all the scenes focus on you. Yeah. And then we got like one of Kit Fisto smiling, and that's about it. Like, and then <laughs> yeah. like it goes right back to you. Yeah. He's just a happy warrior. <laughs> I guess yeah. another like my runner up to my other favorite line would also be "Die Jedi dogs." Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like basically anything that C three PO said in the latter yeah. half of the battle. What am just, I saying? Yeah. I'm pro. I'm, I'm programmed for etiquette, not destruction. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, this is such a drag. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, that scene. <laughs> <laughs> like, just it, just pun after pun. And, like, there are fun, like there are genuinely funny moments, like yeah. comic relief moments in all of these films. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I just feel like, I mean, especially, like, surrounding Ewan McGregor as much as anything. Oh, yeah. Who, sure. you know, once again is the best part in all of the prequels. Oh, yeah. Far and away, like it, I mean, it's not even close. Well, it's like him and Ian McDermott, I guess. Yeah, well, his best line, I think, is at the club when they first walk in, and just goes, "Why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me, Anakin?" Yeah, like it's just like, ah, you know, yeah. and you point it out, and it's like, we know. Yeah, you know? but like he has a way to actually be humorous. But like whenever George Lucas tries to write comedy, it's just not good. It doesn't work. Well, that yeah. just goes back to what you were saying before. If he was allowed to improvise, yeah, it probably could have been something great. Yeah. And I think they did that more with the newer ones now than anything else. Like, yeah, especially Last Jedi. Like they allow, they let the reins fly. Yeah. for improv and yeah, it, they, it worked. Just let like Oscar Isaac be, you know, actually charismatic, which he is. That works. Yeah, <laughs> and like even yeah, the when you first meet him in The Force Awakens, who starts? Did I start talking? You start talking. Like, yeah, I, that, that that was that was funny. Yeah. So, um, but f- uh, two final comments. Do it. Uh, this film, Attack of the Clones, does go down in history as the first major blockbuster to be entirely shot on digital. I'll believe that. Um, that was like the beginning of that age. Which, again, this is like the good George Lucas. Like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. he, you know, he's an innovator and a pioneer. He's just not like a, a great scriptwriter yeah. or director. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the one thing they kept saying in that pod I told you about was like, he's like, you could write this stuff, George, but you but sure you can't, can't say, say it. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's a very famous Han, or uh, Harrison Ford. Ford line, yeah. Uh, and then the what was my other comment that I was going to make? I lost my place. <laughs> ah, this was the first Star Wars movie that wasn't the number one movie uh, box office of the of year. The year, yeah. What was the one of the year? You know. Well, so this actually finished third, behind yeah. Spider Man. Oh, the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man, right? And Lord of the Rings Two Towers. Oh my God! Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, the Two Towers. You, I always joke about you could see that you know you could see every middle part of the sequel, any like you know any trilogies 
on FX, and it's always the two towers or something oh, yeah. like that, right? <laughs> yeah. But two towers is great. The first Tobey Maguire is great. Yes. You know, and, uh, like the first Spider-Man. Well, yeah, so it's yeah those, like, are, those are fantastic movies. And on top of that, like that was the beginning of like the real comic book age yeah. and everything. So there's a lot of stuff working against it. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow, that's how old this is. Yeah. <laughs> that's the other side is really crazy too. Right. So. Absolutely. But so, yeah, I think it's, I'm trying to think. I'm well. I'm not sure about. I know, like Force Awakens was still the number one movie of the year, even though it came out in December. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually not sure that all of the the Disney ones have done as great. Uh, like I think that's more of a trend now. But that's also because like Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Last Jedi all released in December, yeah. which just means that they don't have much time to make a whole lot of money. Yeah, and then, when, and then Solo didn't. I mean, I mean, last year was Infinity War. Yeah, it was a whole other thing. Like, it was Marvel's year. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I think with the fact that, like, you know, the new Star Wars coming out this year is all the way in December. Right. It's going to have that much more room to work around. Everyone's been through the end game. They've been through the new Spider-Man. And there's no more Marvel for the rest of the year. So, yeah. let's hope for good things. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I imagine it, like, once again, though, it probably won't since it's supposed to come out, like, late December even. It's yeah. only going to have two weeks. Yeah. And, and uh, Endgame is the number two grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think it's going to get that far ahead of it. But one can hope, at least. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, I know anything that they put out there is probably going to be better than what we just talked about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, again, I just want to thank everybody for joining us and uh, checking out our little review of yes. Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. If you have anything that you want to add to that, please reach out to us. Uh, you can get at us on our Facebook page, Greedo Shot First Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find the podcast and some ways to get in touch with us on reggieshousepodcasts.com. Exactly, yes. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And then also don't don't neglect to check out Rust Belt Risters yep. as well Thanks. as Games and That. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as always, I had a pretty great time. Did you have a good time? It's a boring conversation anyway. I bet it was.